So good to see so many happy, smiling faces in here this morning. It's an absolute blessing and an honor for me to be up here preaching. And, uh, and, and this is the Lord's word for you today. You know, I'm super encouraged to see all our manuhiri here this morning. Know my haere mai, kia koutou, kua tau mai nei, nga manuhiri, kia ora koutou, nga mihi mihi nui. But kei te mihi tuatahi ki te atua. Hai? Ko te atua, te kaihango o te rangi me te whenua. Ko ia nei te timatanga, ko ia anō te whakamutunga. Whakohunuretia tōna i ngā tapu ngā wā katoa, kororia ki te atua. Kororia ki te atua. So uh, for those of you who speak English, um, as um, those, what I was basically saying is I just wanted to welcome all our manuhiri, our visitors here this morning. Um, but then I realised I was amiss because first and foremost, we must always acknowledge and mihi to our God, te atua. Amen. So I was just talking about how God, our God, He's the creator of all the heavens and the earth. He's the beginning. He's the end. So at all times, we lift up and honor His name. Glory to God. Amen. Why don't we give God a big hand clap this morning? Come on. He's the reason why we're here. Kauwe whakamaa, kue, Murdoch. Just a word for you this morning, brother. You're here for a reason this morning. I've been praying for you. And as the Lord was giving me this word, he was saying, this is for you. So uh, I don't normally call people out like this and kawe whakamaa, brother. But the Lord's just put on my heart to call you out on this. Be expectant to receive this morning, my bro. I'm so uplifted to see you here this morning. I love you, brother. And the same goes for all of us, and, and, and what I ask of each of you under the sound of my voice this morning is that you're here with an expectant heart. Not to hear Reuben preach an awesome word, but, but to hear from God himself this morning, yeah? Did you know that you brought him along with you this morning? So I praise God you came along, because Christ came along with you. So I see, when I see you, I don't just see you, I don't just see all, all, your, all your worries and your cares of the week, I see, I see Christ walking through those doors this morning. So you guys walk as though you're carrying Christ because you're carrying Him just as much as He's carrying you this morning. Amen? He said He'd make His home in you. He said He'd make His home in you. And you think rent is expensive and kitty-kitty at the moment? Do you know the price He paid to come and live in you? I don't think any of you would be wanting to put that down as security for a house today. Hey. <laughs> eh? I don't think you want to go hang on a cross just to get in a rental. I mean, it's getting close to that, but <laughs> praise God we're not there. You're here to preach a sermon, Reuben. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for these many expectant hearts that are sitting here. Lord, I look out and I see a garden of good soil. And Lord, I ask this, this morning you would establish the work of my hands. You see, we make our plans, but you order our steps. And Lord, it's by faith in you and it's by your spirit, it's not by my strength or my might that I'm standing here this morning. So Lord, I just pray that good seed goes out this morning. Lord, I know that good seed goes out this morning. And I know that you're the one that is going to bring those seeds to germination to fruition this morning. So with expectant hearts, all of the saints said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Grace. 
Praise God for grace. Grace. Grace, I feel, has sort of become a Christian buzzword. Hey, you know, we get all these Christian buzzwords that come through. And, um, and for me, uh, like Wayne shared before with, with his testimony, I wasn't raised in a Christian household. Uh, but, but I was born again Christian in 2015, March the 1st, in a little place called Bradbury, which I know some of you are familiar with. Um, some of our Manuhiri here have come over uh, from, um, from the other side of the Tasman, and they've come over from Sydney. And, uh, and, and just southwest of Sydney is a little place called Bradbury, and actually just next to Bradbury is another little place called Eds. And just in Eds, there was a little community centre that we used to have to you know, clean up alcohol bottles from on a Sunday morning and sweep away the glass so that we could go in there and have church with a small church. Mostly Samoan, Pacific Islander there. I was the token white guy there. I was the one that made the church PC. And, um, and I, I used to go along with my wife. Her family were serving there. And, and, and I was not a Christian at the time. And I made a point of telling everybody including the pastor, hey, look, I know what your guys' deal is. It's cool. You guys do you. I want to honor and support you for what you do because I think the church is a really nice idea. Uh, but this God thing, that's not for me. Uh, but I'll come. I'll, I'll put up chairs. I'll, and uh, By the way, did you know I'm really good at all these things? I'm good at doing sound. I'm a muso from way back. So if you need some help, you know, I'm your man. But uh, I'm not going to believe in any of that Jesus stuff, all right? So you can stop praying for me. Yep, just stop praying. I used to tell my wife that too. Just stop praying for me. It's fine. I'm good. I'll honor you. I'll come to church. The pastor was like, oh, sound desk, eh? Sweet. Yeah, you can jump on the sound desk. Oh, but you know I don't believe in Jesus, eh? And he said, that's cool, bro. You can jump on the sound desk. I had sweet, so I'm on the sound desk. And then this morning on March the 1st, 2015, I'm on the sound desk. And uh, I've been going through some stuff in my life, and my, you know, where I felt like it was all spiraling out of control, you know, in, in my workplace. Things were not, I couldn't hold them down like I used to be able to, and I was just in this place where my own strength was not doing it, yeah? And there's a whole lot more to this testimony. I didn't actually intend to come share my testimony this morning, but the Lord's put it on my heart just now, so praise God, but... I was in this place where I couldn't, I couldn't hold it down. I couldn't control the situation anymore. See, with me, it's always been about control. I like to have my hand on the wheel. And I've always been good at it. And I've always been self-promotional like that, you know? Make sure I look good. But this morning was, the day before, I hadn't even gone to work. So uncharacteristic of me. Didn't call anyone. I just, I was reached breaking point. I didn't go to, go to work. And my wife's thinking, wow, what's going on? My husband always goes to work. He's got to have a broken leg and five broken fingers and be in a half coma before he doesn't go to work. And here he is. He's still in bed on a Saturday morning. He's meant to be at work. And, and, and that Sunday, I'm on the sound desk and my brother-in-law's preaching. A really gifted Samoan preacher. He looks like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, this guy. He's like, and to me, he's, he's like, you look like he's going to scare you into the kingdom, but he does this weird thing where he just cuddles you into the kingdom and the, the way that he speaks. He, like, he speaks aggressively, but there's Afi in it. I don't know how he does it. Uh, bro, JT, if you're listening to this, you're the man. You're my inspiration. You're my fitspiration, bro. Oh, gosh. Anyway, this isn't about JT. Um, but anyway, he's preaching. And um, I can't remember to this day what he was preaching on. My wife reminds me every single time. But he said... He said, 
if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you just come up and walk to the front? And I didn't even know what I was doing. My legs just sort of had a life of their own. And I jumped up from the sound desk and I started walking down the thing. And I'm like, in my head, I'm going, what are you doing? And I always said, I always said, if I ever come to the Lord, if I ever come to the Lord, I'm not going to be one of these crying guys, you know, like... If I come to the Lord, it's going to be one of these decisions that I made logically. I thought through all the steps. I weighed up the pros and cons, and I decided today is the day. Okay, Lord. All right. You can have me. I'm really good at these things and these things, so you can use these things. And I thought that would be me, walking with boldness and confidence before God and going, okay, we've come to an agreement. But no, I was blithering mess walking up there tears streaming down my face and my wife she's pregnant with our firstborn she's she's fully happy she's only a month a month away from from popping and um and <laughs> popping <laughs> and all the mums go Ooh. um she's only a month away from giving birth in a miraculous way to our firstborn daughter <laughs> that's better save that we'll cut that and And she's on the guitar and she's playing and I'm walking up and she's thinking, is my microphone broken? Because she knew that I was never going to be a Christian. And I hear my father-in-law in the back of the room, like this. And my brother-in-law is standing there and I walk up in front of him and he goes, did you want to pray, bro? Did you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? My sister-in-law's come up to support, hand on my shoulder. She's listening. She's looking at my wife going. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> All that to say, you don't know this morning what God's going to do. That very morning I told my wife, I'm not going to be a Christian. You can stop praying. That very morning, my wife said to God, I give up, Lord, he's yours. That very morning, God called me into his kingdom. I didn't make a decision. I didn't make a decision. God made the decision. Since before he set the foundations of the earth, that's grace. That's grace. I had this revelation the other day of what grace was. Grace is simply God fulfilling his promise. It's God fulfilling his promises to you. And in the frailty of our human minds, we want to add a formula to it. We want to, we want to establish a pathway to, to entering God's grace. We want to we want to set up a system so we know that we, if we line up one, two, and three, we're going to get, we're going to, get to heaven. We've turned, it, we've turned it into a prayer to go to heaven. Salvation, God's grace. But how many know that God's grace actually is very little dependence on what you or I do? There's a saying that really impacted me. There go I, but for the grace of God. 
This is something I say to myself anytime I feel myself about to get ticked off by somebody who I think should know better. There go I, but for the grace of God. Every time I'm cut off on the road, there go I, but for the grace of God. Every time, every time I see someone doing something silly on the news or, you know, every person out there is just as worthy of God's grace as you are sitting here. And you might have been walking with the Lord for your entire life. And you could have someone walk through those doors this morning who just this morning was using and abusing drugs, alcohol, just this morning had a fight, was abusive, and they walked through these doors this morning, they are no less worthy of the love of God than you or I. And for us as humans, as in the frailty of our minds, that can be a difficult pill to swallow, particularly if you've worked hard on your faith. Amen? You know, you've worked hard. You've stayed true. You haven't walked away. Those other fellows, they've walked away. They walked away, but you stayed. You came every single Sunday. You still served every single Sunday, even when it hurt. You were here, you know, Pastor Paul and Ruth, do you know on the day that Evangeline was born, not the week, not the month, not the year, but the day that their youngest child was born was the first Excite Church service. And as Ruth was in labor, Paul was here ministering because that's what the Lord put on his heart. Me, I'd find that a bit dangerous coming back home to my wife after doing that. But praise God, Paul and Ruth, they had this revelation. They've been called, eh? Amen. They've been called. And some of us have walked paths like this. There are people in this room who have gone through the fires. And so no doubt... They might feel they have the right to be offended when someone who just keeps walking away, keeps walking away, comes in and receives the grace of God. Who are you to deserve the grace of God? When I've stayed here the whole time. Sounds familiar. Sounds like a story in the Bible about the prodigal son. Amen. There were two sons to this father. And one of them said, I want my inheritance now. And the father said, okay, here's your inheritance. See you later. And off he goes and he lives it up and he spends all his inheritance. And he, and he blows it all. He blows it all on fun and women and all the rest. And then he finds himself in the pigsty, earning what, what, what food he can by feeding pigs. And he, was, he wasn't even eating as good as the pigs were. And he realized in that moment, I should never have left my father's house. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll receive me back. Just as a servant, even the servants eat better than me. Oh, maybe he'll just receive me back and, and I, can, I can just serve him. So he humbly goes back to his father. Where was his father? Waiting there, looking out, waiting for the return of his son. And what did his father do? Did he scold him? Did he say, I told you so? Did he say, I've been waiting here to just let you know, mate? <laughs> Too bad. Too bad. No. Put a ring on his finger, put a robe around him, kissed him. Welcome home, son. Welcome home. Praise the Lord. Our son was dead, but now he's alive. But there was another brother. There was the brother who never left, 
who never asked his father for his inheritance, who, who diligently worked in his father's household. And his brother comes home after going out being the black sheep. I mean, what was this brother feeling over all those years? Oh, there goes my bro. Oh, look at him. Man, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing. I'm the favorite. Because look at my brother. And then the brother comes home and he's going, oh, he's going to get an earful. This is going to be good. And the father goes out and just welcomes his home. How welcomes him home? Gives him, puts a ring on his finger. Goes out and kills the fatted calf. Goes out and, and, and this brother goes, you never killed the fatted calf for me. I've been here the whole time. And you're going to do it for him? That hurts, Dad. Do you see me? Do you see what I'm doing? He already took his inheritance. But the father said, no, you're missing the point. You've always had access to all of this inheritance. It has never depended on all the work that you've done. Praise God that you've done it. That's, that's cool. You've been an amazing son. But my love never depended on the work that you did. My grace never depended on you sticking around. Praise God that you did. How awesome has your life been? Look at what your brother's been through. He was dead. And now he's alive. That's someone to praise God for. That's someone to celebrate for. Amen? Amen. Amen. Far out. None of that was in my notes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God's good, eh? God's so good. All the time. And all the time. You fellas must be from Sydney. Yeah, we used to do that one at our church. <laughs> God is good all the time. And all the time, <laughs> praise God. Warms my heart to hear that again. <laughs> That's so cool. Grace, the free gift. I want to bring you a scripture out of the Bible. Are you guys all right with that? Excellent. Even if you aren't, too bad. Romans 4, 2 to 5. Yeah, you guys could have been anywhere else today, but you chose to be here. Amen. It's pretty sunny outside. Sure, the fishing's good. <laughs> Praise God, you guys are here. You're here for a reason. Romans 4, 2 to 5. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. You see, we get this attitude where we, we, we want to put God in our debt. You know, we, 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 we receive Jesus and then we go, okay, how, how do I live righteously so that God owes me some blessing? Uh, what do I need to do so that God will give me something? Okay, I, I understand now I'm, I'm going to heaven, I'm not going to hell. What next? Pastor Ruth preached about blessing. Road to blessing, we're going to, I've got to pray, okay, I've got to pray, I've got to read my Bible daily, uh, treat others as I treat myself, um, and you get together your list of rules. 
And you go, okay, well, this is the road. This is the path. Now, if I do all these things, God owes me something. Owes me a life of blessing. That's, that's how wages work. That's how righteousness by works works. I'm assuming uh, we've got a lot of people here who are on salary, on wages. And when you go to work every day, you don't work and then just hope that your employer will give you some money. You work so that you get that money. As soon as you've worked an hour for your employer, your employer owes you an hour's worth of pay. As soon as you've worked for a week, your employer owes you a week's worth of pay. It's a debt system, right? You put them in debt with the work that you do for them. God's saying, that's not how my grace works. He's saying, my grace is here. Already, it's yours. It was given to you by the blood of my son. My son made up his mind to do that before you were even around to argue the point. And it has very little to do with what you're doing here on earth. We could never, ever, ever repay what he did for us. Yeah? It's us who are indebted to him. You see, we had a price to pay for the law. And Jesus came and paid it with his blood. This is what grace is. Someone once said, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. So this isn't a, okay, I'm going to turn up to church on a Sunday. I'm going to read my Bible every day. And now I'm going to walk in the blessing. I struggled with this for a while after coming to the Lord because I'm, a, you know, I'm always thinking, what, what am I meant to be doing? What's the right thing to do? You know, I had this revelation over these last couple of years. It has actually very little to do with right and wrong. When I was growing up, I thought Christianity was all about you be a good boy, you go to heaven. You be a bad boy, you go to that other place. But it's not. Christianity is about being in a relationship with God. And guess what? Without Christ, we can't be in that relationship with God. What flows out of that relationship? What flows out of that relationship are turning up on a, a church on a Sunday? Serving on a Sunday, giving your first fruits of your increase, loving one another. If you find yourself doing those because you want to get God in your debt, you might not even think that's the case. You might think, I'm just going to do this because that's what a good Christian does. But you're doing it and then expecting something good from it. <clears throat> then at one point or another, you're going to be disappointed. God will make sure of it because he wants to get your heart in the right place. He said, I'm going to take away your heart of stone. I'm going to put in you a heart of flesh. Why? Because out of your heart flows all the issues of life. Yeah? If you've got issues in your life, it's coming from your heart. It's not coming from your neighbor's heart. It's not coming from your wife's heart. If you've got issues in life, it's coming from your heart. Be they good or bad issues. Amen? Going off peace again. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So the grace is there. It's talking about Abraham, because, and this is talking uh, specifically about the promise that God said to Abraham that he's going to be the father of many nations. And you know what Abraham did? He believed him. 
He believed him against all odds. He believed him even though in the natural this did not look like something that could happen. And it's that belief, it's that faith, it's that faith that justified him, that set him right, that set him up in, in, in God's love. Amen? It's that faith. The love is there. We just need the faith to get to it. See what I'm saying? The love is there. It's not dependent on what you're doing. The grace is there. The gift is there. We just need to unwrap it. Amen? Amen? And I'm, just so you know, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service to do exactly that, to unwrap this gift of grace. If you've never experienced that, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that at the end of the sermon. Praise God. It's just a simple prayer to receive the love of God, to receive Him as your Lord and Savior, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and walk into this life of grace. Praise God. Oh, He's so good. So what is grace? It's God fulfilling His promises. And how do we access it? Faith. Amen. Oh, Romans 4.13 For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. It wasn't meeting up all, the, all the, the standards of the law that got him there. That promise wasn't dependent on that, but it was dependent on his faith, his acceptance that God could do it. Amen? I know you feel like I'm repeating myself, but God does this in the Bible too, so it's biblical. Romans 4. 19 to 22. Sometimes he thinks we're hard of hearing, eh? We've got to say, say several things the same, same way, yeah, because sometimes we are. Have you ever, like, read the Bible for a lot of your life, and then you read the same verse over and over again, and then one day, the penny drops, and you go, wow, I never read it like that. Hey. Romans 4, 19 to 22. And this is Abraham. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. This is in regards to the promise God gave him. He's about 100 years old. And God's like, going to be the father of many nations. He's got no kids. His wife can have no kids. And he goes, all right. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, that's his wife. So she's barren. She couldn't have kids. And he's 100 years old. Imagine having a newborn at 100 he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced. Say fully convinced. Fully convinced. Are you fully convinced this morning that God can come through on his promises for you? How many of you are holding on to a promise from God right now? Raise your hand. How many of you are holding on to a promise from God right now? Raise your hand. Are you fully convinced this morning that God can bring that promise through? Even though the world looks like it's not going to bring it about. Even though you don't feel like you're the right person for it. Even though you feel like you're not fully equipped. I'm telling you this morning, be fully convinced that God can do this and will do this. Amen? He was fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. God's not like me saying yes to everything and then only doing 20% of them. Drives my wife crazy. Do you know, 
we're, we're moving to Australia soon, as was announced in the church a couple of weeks ago. And so part of this is we've got to get our house ready for sale, you know. And I tell you what, I know none of you men in here could relate because you're great husbands, you know. But um, there's some things I didn't quite finish that I should have finished the first week we moved into the house. For instance, our kids have been living for the last three years with no doors on their cupboards in their bedroom. Wasn't a priority, you know. Those doors just been sitting down in my garage, fully painted. I painted them. I just hadn't hung them yet. I was going to get around to it. Three years later, we've got to sell the house. We've got to put those doors up. Guess how long it takes me. Georgia came and helped me. It takes me about 10 minutes per door. Gosh, I could have done that ages ago. My wife, my wife walks in. She's full of grace, eh? She walks in. She goes, they look really good, hon. Wow, they make these rooms look so much better. God's not like that. God comes through on his promises. Is that for me, bro? <laughs> Sorry. I'm in a cheeky mood. Just ignore me. <laughs> yeah, praise God. He was fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's where the righteousness came, because he was fully convinced. You are counted... You are counted righteous because God came through on his promise with Christ this morning. You're righteous by the blood of Christ. And you walk in that righteousness by your faith in him. Yeah? Not your faith in yourself. Yeah? It's a simple message I've got to deliver today. And I praise God that you're going to get it. Amen? If I never have to repeat it a thousand times. Therefore, having been justified by faith, this is Romans 5, 1 to 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in my Bible studies, I came to understand that where it says there, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, it's not talking about, I feel so at peace with the Lord now. It's not talking like, I feel, I feel so at peace right now. That is just a fact. You are at peace with God, no matter how you feel about it. He's already made up his mind. We were at war with God. We were. Since the fall of Adam, since, since, since that, that first sin, we've been at war with God because of the sin in our lives. And then Jesus came and he justified us. He paid the price. And so now, we have peace with God. So this isn't like a, if you're not feeling peace in your heart, am I really Christian? I'll do it, you know, it's not about what you feel in your heart. It's just a fact. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior by faith this morning, you are at peace with God. He is at peace with you. How cool is that? Pretty cool. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Oh, I wasn't making it up. It's written in the Word. We have access by what? Faith into this what? Grace 
in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we also glory in tribulations. Uh Uh-oh. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, that peace that I'm talking about that transcends all understanding. We had some um, great words this morning. I can't remember if it was at the prayer time or Christy was sharing or Wayne was sharing. But they shared about, um, in his words, from the, from the way, I think it was Wayne, because it was from the Wayne translation of the Bible. There were a couple of Hebrew boys that were thrown into a fire. He's talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These, these awesome men of faith back in the Old Testament, they were taken as prisoners into a foreign land. And against their will, they were, they were forced to assimilate to a culture that wasn't theirs. They were forced to speak a different language. They were forced to change their names from God-honoring names to these foreign God-honoring names. All of these things were forced on them, and yet they remained in their faith. And there came a time where, um, where the king of that nation required everybody at a certain time to bow down and worship, uh, worship this idol, this statue, when the horns blew. And these three, they didn't. They wouldn't. That was where they took their stand for their faith, for their God. And he said, if, no one do, if, if anyone doesn't do this, they'll be thrown into a furnace. So they were brought before him. And he actually really liked these guys. They were wise people in his kingdom, and they'd risen to places of authority and, and respect within his kingdom. So he really didn't want to throw them in the furnace, but he'd made this law, right? So he says to them, you got one last chance. He's going to scare them, scare them out of their faith. You got one last chance. If you don't now bow down and worship, I will make the furnace seven times hotter, and then I'll throw you in. And they went... Sorry, Lord, if our God can save us, he will. And even if he doesn't, we're not, we're not going to move on this. And so he goes, so he goes, goes into a rage and he, and he, gets his, he fires up the furnace seven times hotter and he grabs, gets his guards to grab Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and the guards on the way to the furnace, it's that hot that the guards perish on the way to the furnace. Which makes me think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego must have gone, okay, we'll go the rest of the way ourselves then. <laughs> that's not written in the scripture but how else you know and then and then they're in there in the furnace and and this king looks in there and he goes didn't didn't we just throw three fellas in there i look in there i see four and one of them looks like the son of man one of them looks like the son of god one of them one of them looks like you know that was jesus there in that flame and what did jesus do did he come in with a holy tidal wave and extinguish the furnace and then bring them some ice packs and a glass of iced water? No, he just hung out with them in the furnace. See, the peace, the reason why it says peace that transcends all understanding, that just means it's a peace that we can't comprehend. It's a peace that you're going to experience when you're in the middle of the furnace. And that's why I brought up these scriptures in Romans 5, you know, about... Um, about glorying in tribulation, because tribulation produces perseverance. While they're in the fire there, 
they're learning something more. Their faith is growing, right? Because I bet, I, you know, you can be as faithful as you like, but when you're standing in front of a seven times hotter than normal furnace about to get chucked in, there'd be some doubts, I reckon, you know? <laughs> but they experienced that, and Jesus came with them, and he, he hung out with them in the fire and said, boys, nice one. That's, that's what I reckon he said. And, um, and they're going, wow, this faith thing, it works. And they're building up in their faith. It produces, it produces perseverance. That means the next time they come against the furnace, they're going to be, oh, don't worry about the gear. Yeah, now we're in there. You know, they're ready for it. Ready for it. Someone used to say to me, another level, another devil. Let's go. You know, like, um, I don't want to call that out though, but praise God, he builds you up for the next level. Amen. Through these tribulations. So we glory in the tribulations. Amen. It produces perseverance. What does perseverance produce? Character. Character. Hey, because when you go through some trials and some furnaces, some things are exposed, actually, you know. I've had a real season of exposure. Um, It's called my entire walk with Jesus. It's a long season. Long may it last. But he exposes stuff in us, you know. I've had things exposed to me, prejudices, things I'm holding on to, issues of control, things that have, that have been stumbling blocks in my marriage, in my, in my parenting, in my relationship with brothers and sisters in the Lord. And he will expose these things and deal to them in his own way with his, with his loving hand. And through that perseverance of just sticking with him by faith and understanding that he will always come through on his promises, that character is built within me. And I'm learning, hey, you know, I'm nothing without my God. In my weakness, I'm made strong. He's made strong. Amen? And so we learn this stuff, and guess what? You're a nicer person to be around for it if you just let him do it, eh? <laughs> it's just, uh, you become a nicer person, eh? I'm halfway there. And character, it brings hope. It brings hope. Because you know that when you have that good character, you can, you can see that, that you're, you have a future that is bright in the Lord. Amen? So the tribulations, we glory in them, and the end result is hope. Amen? Yeah, and hope does not disappoint because of the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You know, that Holy Spirit, that wairua tapu, that lives inside of you this morning, if you would just walk by that Spirit, you would live a life of hope. As I was, uh, as I was sharing before, um, you know, we're planning to move away and, and uh, we've got a short space of time, a short time frame to get our house ready for, uh, to go on the market. You see, I've got paint on my hands. I was, I was painting last night in, in my house, hanging doors and, you know, doing all the things I should have done two years ago. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God for a patient wife. And, um, and you know, I'm, I'm preparing all this stuff. There's so many things going on at the moment that could stress me out. It could stress me out. You know, things not lining up. Do you know this morning, we turned up here, see these big speakers up here that you're hearing my, the, the dulcet tones of my voice come over. These speakers, there's one little fuse in a room at the back that turns them on, or two fuses. And that room at the back has got a door, and that door gets locked, and that key gets hung up in a specific place. And all the rest of the system we've got ready access to, but you need that key to get in that door. I discovered this morning there is only one of those keys in the existence of this earth. Just one. No spare. And I discovered this morning that the cleaner who cleans this place 
decided they were going to take it home. So we rocked up, and Reese comes out. He set everything up, and he goes, bro, where's the key for the... We can't turn the speakers on. Guess what? Those fuses also power the projector, also power the, these fairy lights, these lights, everything in here. And we're sitting there going, okay. So I'm going through all the millions of keys up there uh, in, the, in the room up there. None of them, none of them working. I go, okay. Do you know, two years ago, any one of the people on my team or my wife would tell you that I would have been a ball of stress. I would have been running up and down this place. I would have been going, I can't talk to you right now. I just can't talk to you right now. I've got to, this thing's all, it's all going to fall apart if I don't find this. It's all resting on me. It's all resting on me. And I haven't done it right. I should have got the key cut years ago, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And I'm stressing. I, I'd be stressing out. You'd see it on my, when all our beautiful money here that come, come in this morning, they would have been, ah, hello. Again. I, would have, I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> That actually would have been me. But this morning, hey, bro, was I pretty chill this morning? I was pretty chill this morning, hey. Don't make me a liar now. <clears throat> Do you know why? Because what I was thinking was, oh, this is interesting, Lord. This is your church service. You're going you're gonna to have your way here this morning. So if you don't want these speakers, what are our other options? Started pulling some little speakers out just in case, you know. Thought, oh, well, what are we going to do for worship? Oh, great is our God. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> you know, God will have his way, you know. And, and there's so much that we can be stressed about, you know. But he says, don't be anxious. Give it all to him. And that peace that transcends all understanding will come into your heart. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't say, and I will come and fix all your problems. <laughs> he goes, that peace that transcends all understanding will come into your heart. So I want to, <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's so good. You see, when he went to the cross, And then he went to the grave. He took us with him. Why is that important? Because all that was connecting us and holding us to anything that separates us from God's love died with him. And it went to that grave. That old man, that old Reuben, the stress monkey, the control freak, the guy who doesn't hang doors for three years in his house, he died. Sometimes he comes back from the dead every now and then, and I've got to reckon myself dead again to him. But he no longer has any authority over me. Sin no longer has any authority over me because of what Christ did, not because of what I did. But what's more is that Jesus actually came back to life. God raised him from the dead. What does that mean? It means he finished the job. It means he doesn't have to go back to that grave. It means he did it once and for all. And guess what? You're free. And that gift of grace, that freedom is yours. That freedom is in your hands. And it's just by faith that you need to walk into it. And, and he doesn't want to hear this, but I stuffed up, Lord. 
How can, I, how can I seek your face when I've done such terrible things? And I knew they were wrong, and I'm still doing them. And he's saying, my son has paid for that. If you would just walk in the grace, I will, I will free you from all of that. You can experience freedom. You can walk in freedom. Salvation is not just salvation from hell into heaven. Salvation is salvation here on earth from now from yourself, from your old self, from that dead man who died in the waters of baptism, who died with Jesus on the cross. Amen? So we're free men and women in this house this morning. We're free men and women in this house this morning. Amen? Oh, praise God. Romans 6, 10 to 11. For the death that he died, he died to sin. How many times? Once. For how many people? All. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God wanted me to share some, some truths with you. You know, I said how he repeats himself sometimes. I found this place in Romans 5, 12 to 20, where he actually repeats himself eight times in eight different ways. And what he's doing is he's talking about the difference between Adam and the difference between Christ. Adam and Christ. Redeke, different. Number one, sin entered and death brought sin through the disobedience of one man, Adam. But the free gift of grace is different. That came from Christ. Number two, through the, through the disobedience of one man, many, many died. Many died, many perished. We experienced death. Through the obedience of one man, Christ, grace is given to many. Number three, through Adam, condemnation. There is now therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He brought justification. Justification for our sins. Yeah. Four, through the one man, death reigned. But through Christ, we reign in life. We rule in life. Amen? Five, again, he repeats, through Adam came condemnation. Through Christ came justification. It's an important point. He's repeating it. Yeah? Through Christ, not through you, not through what you've done. Amen? Number six, through the disobedience, many were made sinners. Through Christ, many were made righteous. Someone needs to hear this morning that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But Reuben, I don't feel like the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Aren't you hearing me? It doesn't have anything to do with your feelings. Stop living in your feelings. Amen? Amen? I want you to say right now, I'm going to stop living in my feelings. This doesn't depend on my feelings. Amen? You might feel not worthy, but Christ is worthy. It has nothing to do with your worthiness. Yeah? You are the righteousness of God in Christ. In Adam, the seventh point, 
offense abounded. In other words, sin against God abounded. The, the offense against God just went rampant through the world, through that disobedience of Adam. But in Christ, grace over and above abounds. It superabounds. It, it, it covers, it covers that, that, that transgression and much, much, much more. Amen? There is nothing, there is nothing on this earth that can separate you from the love and grace of God. Nothing. Amen? Number eight, sin reigns in death. But in Christ, grace reigns through righteousness to eternal life. Through eternal life. Praise God. I know I've probably gone on a little bit long through our technical stuff this morning. We don't have a countdown timer. And also my senior pastors aren't here. So I've got the microphone. Settle in. (laughs) Dave's shaking his head. I've got places to be, Reuben. I, I trust that you guys have heard something this morning, you know, but if you're going to take anything away with you this morning, I want, I want you to not disqualify yourself from the grace of God. Don't disqualify yourself from the grace of God. If you ever have that corridor in your head saying, oh, no, I'm not ready yet, I'm not right yet, I need to clean myself up, I need to get myself ready before I can experience that grace, I'm not worthy of that grace, I want you to know He's worthy, and that's the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that matters. He is worthy. And we are not justified by the work that we do. We're not justified by how many times we turn up to church or how many times we read your Bible. You know, like if I haven't seen you at church for six weeks and you see me on the street, don't do walk across the others. I'm not going to. Who am I? There go I, but for the grace of God. Who am I to, to judge why you haven't been here? I don't know. I don't know what's going on with you. God does. Yeah. Don't let it stop you from coming through the doors again. Don't let failing seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, a dozen times stop you from trying again and really opening your heart up to the Lord this morning. Come back again. Come back again. Come back again. No matter how many times it takes. The body of Christ will be here to receive you once more, once more, once more. Because God's plan for your life is much greater than what you think it is. You might think that all you can hope for is to be free from this one thing. When God's saying, all I've got for you is much, much more. That one thing that you've been praying for, it's so small. That'll just be something that builds character in you. That'll be something that builds hope in you. That'll just be a fire that you walk through. That'll just be a part of your testimony. That'll be a part of your message in the future. But I've got bigger plans for you. 